You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Thank you for joining us on Marketing News Canada. I am so excited because uh, some of you may know uh, my background was working in the nonprofit charity sector. And we've yet to have someone come on the show that talks about that and is talking about the connection between charity, fundraising, and marketing, and the world of marketing and advertising, and how fundraising all that world connects. And also, I know that many of you uh, listeners have said you love data, you love data, and want more of it. And so it is with great pleasure I want to introduce Alan. Alan, thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk data. Alan, tell us about the name of the company you come from, because I'm going to say that wrong. And Veronix Analytics. Okay. Very, very cool. G- give us a summary of what that is and what does that mean even? Because they're such big words and, and break it down for us. Yeah. And Veronics Analytics, we specialize in taking uh, geodemographic data. So at the postal code, six digit postal code. And we help sort of companies understand, you know, how people behave within the postal code. So simplified um, you know, if you live in BC, we help you understand based on the postal code, what your behaviors are. So uh, based on your demographics, your psychographics, your values, um, the different things that you consume from the social media web, all those things. So we help companies un- better understand that and then learn how to implement it through segmentation, modeling, all the complex stuff, but just really at the end of the day is to help them solve business problems. They have Amazing. business problems. We have data that can help answer that question. Yo, you got a problem. Hey, I'll solve it. Check out the hook. It's kind of like a little vanilla ice there, Alan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love vanilla ice. <laughs> so uh, origin story, how do you get to doing what you're doing now? Like, How did, how did you get into wanting to do this? And, and, and what was kind of the journey to this place? Um, long and winding road, to be honest. Um, I actually started at the agency side of things. So mm-hmm. I started as a media buyer and a planner. Um, at Initiative Media back in the day and just kind of fell into that from school. And through that, ended up going to a couple of different charities and working on advertising and creative and marketing and sort of made my way through that. And through that journey, became a client of VAs. Hmm. So there was, when I was at Habitat for Humanity, we had this, you know, problem of where do we put one of our restores? Mm -hmm. And we called upon Enveronics and they... Um, helped us out by doing some site modeling, best location based on your customer base and where the potential customer base is. Um, And we went through that project and just was like blown away because that store not only became the best uh, producing store by a large margin, but it just brought the numbers into light in such an impactful and different way. And then lucky enough, in my next job and the ones following, EA was also a vendor that everybody was using and was happy about. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to play with data some more. From the marketing perspective, I got to see how it sort of gets incorporated into uh, branding work and campaign work and um, choosing different um, mediums to work with. And I was always blown away how you can translate a number, an index number, um, into really strategic, tangible outcomes. And um, one day they asked me if I would join. And I'm, I said, absolutely, sign me up. Um, and here I am a couple years later, I'm now helping clients and having that, I guess, deep-rooted knowledge of what it's like to be on the other side and some of their problems. 
So it's not only just what is your problem, but you work within a very particular space that has different nuances. If we're talking about charities versus government versus energy companies or automotive, everybody has a similar-ish problem, but with a slight nuance. So um, understanding the nuances was really important. So we, um, yeah, we help different charities and governments and different organizations sort of help solve their problems. So if I have a, like a direct mail piece that I want to send out and, um, you know, I, I look at Victor one, Mary two radio six, right. And you, and, yeah. and, I'm gonna, and, and then EA essentially, you guys could say to me, Hey, you know what, in that one, use this stock image because people are going to connect with that more, but on, you know, Victor one, Mary two, you know, W three, use yep. this stock image. Is that an example of what you guys would do or suggest with the data? Yeah, it's it's a little bit more deep-rooted than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we do have um, a segmentation system called PRISM, which was Thanks. recently updated. And it essentially takes the 800,000 postal codes across the country and layered with other pieces of data helps segment everybody. So your postal code or all the different postal codes um, will have things like age, income, your values, like what really is impactful and means something to you. Again, your behaviors and all of those things. And based on that, we can kind of tell, you know, what do we sort of strategically think is the best sort of product or how to sort of um, put together a direct mail piece in your case, in your question. So you will act potentially differently in your postal code than the postal code next to you and the one after that. Um, it could be because, you know, different stage of life, different connections, the way things sort of resonate with you would be different. So we take all of those factors into play within the postal code. And then we help our clients sort of then build out what, you know, what marketers call personas. Wow. And based on the persona, you then start to look at, so how do I engage with, you know, a Grant or an Allen or a Darren or whomever? Mm-hmm. And it might be slightly nuanced and slightly different based on a whole bunch of different criteria. Wow. So I often use this as an analogy on the show. I have a cat sweater company, right? And so I want to market my cat sweater company to, to all across the country. Yep. Could I come to you before I go to say Canada Post and, and rent out a list for you know smart mail and, and direct mail, I could go to you and say, where do you think, what does your data say where all the cat owners are? And you would pull from your data points to give me some suggested postal codes. Yeah, that's exactly it. We would look at, you know, who has an interest in cats? Um, as a pet who loves cats, um, and then kind of build out that little persona for you and then map out, okay, so where do these people reside? How many of these people are there? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there might be 10,000 people, there might be 10 million people in the population that love cats, probably more so to the 10 million than the 10,000. Um, and then kind of look at, okay, so what's the best strategy, male mm-hmm. or otherwise, but if male is one of the roots, then we kind of look at, okay, so how do you target those postal codes? And how to use, you know, Canada Post effectively. It's amazing. So if I'm coming to you and I'm saying I want to, you know, this is my problem. I know you can't kind of lift the hood up fully or give all, away all the trade secrets. But where do you get some of that data from? Like what, what is it that creates that secret sauce or that kind of magical map, you know, map that you have that helps us? Secret sauce. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is really based on PRISM and um, we have over... 80 different partners across the country that we work with. But if you think about it, a lot of it starts and doesn't end, but starts with the Canadian census. So we build on the census. 
um, as well as other sort of resources that are out there yeah. in the government. Um, and then thinking of like Equifax and some other sort yeah. of sources that we pull in, anonymized data. All of yeah. it's anonymized. It's privately, yeah. privacy friendly, which is really important. Yes. Um, and then we kind of model it down to the postal code. So we're pulling all of these different resources and all these um, partnerships that we have to help build out every single postal code. And that's really the beauty of it is we've spent the time and energy to look at what information do you need? So if it's behavioral, there's great vivid data surveys, numeric surveys that a lot of marketers use. So we're pulling that information in. Um, mm -hmm. If it's financial, you know, there's a bunch of different resources that we pull in and we're figuring out what those gaps are and then modeling it down to the postal code, uh, which is the lowest level of geography. You can find out information about somebody. And then based on that is how we kind of come back to our clients to say, on the six-digit postal code, this is sort of who you're talking to and who you're dealing with. That's incredible. Yeah. So your vantage point, and you kind of got this great finger on the pulse right across the country from various sectors. What are you seeing a trend? And, and, and what kind of like, um, what are you seeing, you know, are people veering towards this more? Is, you know, the direct mail and kind of getting the data? Or what, what are you kind of hearing from your clients and folks that you're working with? So I think, you know, not, no, ah. Not getting so much into, you know, are people more into direct mail or are they moving to digital? I think those things are kind of tied to different generations yeah. and different sort of pockets of the population. So, and, and your data would work for both. So if I get yeah. data from you, Possibly. I can apply it to my Facebook ads campaign or to a direct mail campaign. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We give you, think about it more of the 360 view outside yeah. of other um, specific mediums that yeah. you're using so yeah. you know facebook knows a lot about you but they typically know things about people in the facebook environment yes. same thing with tiktok same yeah. thing with google and all those they know people within that environment we bring data that goes well beyond that and how people live in mm -hmm. the general population that's really yeah. what geodemographics is all about right it's amazing. I should have almost given you my postal code before the show and you could have told me stuff them. about my neighbors and me and that would have been fascinating. Yeah. But anybody can go to our website and try it out for free. There's a postal code lookup um, and you can get sort of a high level overview of, you know, your own postal code or the people that work with you, your family members, just to give you sort of a little bit more direction. And um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And we've even worked with real estate too. companies when people are looking for houses. Yeah. Don't you want to know, you know, the different areas that you're looking at houses? What are people like? What's education like? You know, who am, who's going to be my neighbor? Wow, that is amazing. So maybe this is a silly question. Most people know this answer, but for me, what is a postal? Like, how far is it? What is the average? Is it so many blocks, so many square footage? Like, what is a typical postal code in Canada? So a typical postal code in a more dense area, you're looking at about 14 to 16 households. So not okay. a very wow. large amount of households. No. Um, and in some cases, when you're looking at apartment buildings, they can have multiple postal codes. So um, blocks are usually, you know, one step up and you're looking at multiple postal codes. Yep. Um, but depending on the area, you could really be looking at a very small, finite amount of people. Um okay. And that's really at the end of the day, when we're working with our clients, we're usually working with a postal code, a city or town name, yep. and then sort of a user ID. And a user ID helps us then, once we do our work, bring it back into that environment that we're working with our clients. So yep. if they're using a Blackboard, a Salesforce, whatever the CRM may be, mm -hmm. whatever the sector may be, they can bring yep. it back. 
So that's all we kind of really work with. It's amazing. So Alan, I'm hoping you could tie this together. So you've, you've worked in both worlds. You've been agency side, you've been, you know, worked corporate side, you worked charity side. How would you compare marketing to fundraising and, and maybe what are the similarities and where are the places where there's a, a disconnect? Right. Um, so what I would say is, you know, charities try to really raise the awareness of what they're doing and their mission and their cause. So mm-hmm. everybody's really marketing. Mm-hmm. I think the end of the day, it's really, you're looking at sales versus fundraising. So one goes back into your mission to help the mission versus one goes into shareholders or revenue to grow. So in both cases, you're hoping to grow what you're doing, mm-hmm. whether you're a habitat looking at a development in housing, poverty housing, and hoping yeah. to build more homes to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're Nissan and trying to sell more cars, shareholder yeah. for innovation and yeah. all that fun stuff. So I think that's really the nuance and the difference. It's where the revenues go and towards what one is more mission driven versus one is more for profit. Yeah, per se. Okay. Um, but in terms of marketing perspective, I think there's there's a lot more similarity than difference. I think what you're really looking at is the not for profit tends to be a little bit further behind in their marketing practices, mostly because they're not um, they don't have the financial means that a corporation might have um, to actually invest in people or infrastructure or what they're yeah. sort of testing and doing. Yeah. So I think that's where data and analytics sometimes can help bring everybody up or bring or close the gap on some of mm-hmm. that to be a little bit smarter in where you're investing your money and time. Hmm. Oh, that's so I think cool. that's the real, you know, um, big area where a lot of not-for-profits are now coming back and saying, you know, if we need to be leaner and smarter as we've mm-hmm. always been, but more so during these times, you know, Data and analytics is definitely an area that can help us do that. So we can be smart about what we're doing, what we're testing for direct mail, what we're sort of looking at, at partnering with um, media companies or spending yeah. our time on Facebook, Twitter, and all that stuff. Wow. So if you, if you were to sit down, you, you, you know, and even now, you've got this chance to give some advice to brands mm-hmm. that are listening and maybe agencies that are listening. What's, what's your advice today that you wish someone would know? Or what's the you know, a few things that you're like, man, if you just knew about this or if this is a piece of data, you've got to be studying. And, and, and it's, you don't, you know, people don't understand this piece of data enough. Love that question. And my team is probably going to kill me for this because mm-hmm. they hear about it all the time. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's, it's really the values piece. Hmm. Um, we have a data set that's called social values. That's based on a survey that's done by our sister company and Veronics research yep. annual survey that they do and really get at the heart and minds of Canadians. Did you make a cool poster of it one year and like with illustrations and like, I think there, really- there were some posters with, uh, years ago. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Right. Do people still make posters though? Absolutely. We have posters in our office. Man, I love posters as a kid. I'd always and be cards. Posters. We used to have also cards for prism. Okay. I mean, you can flip the card open and see, oh, I'm a number one or I'm a number uh, seven. Because remember trade shows and events and you'd hand yeah. stuff I would add? Oh, what man. is that? What is that? Pre-COVID days? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but but you had, okay, this poster, you had you, know, you had it broken out. Yes. Yeah. We we used to have a poster that showcased Prism and then kind of yeah. on the flip side, looked at different personas and yeah. sort of the social values and all those things. But coming back to the question, I yeah. think that is one thing that a lot of people, especially marketers, they miss. Okay. It's when I hear about, okay, there's, you know, Black Lives Matter, the yeah. social movements that are yeah. out and all the other things that are happening right now in the world. Like, should we as a cause or we as an organization 
you know, put down the mute button or put down the volume on what we're doing and be more mm-hmm. mindful of what's going on there or jump on those bang like yeah. it's a corporation. And what I say is really, it all comes back to social values. Our values, mm-hmm. our inherent values as people mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily change as you grow. Wow. You know, those may get stronger, but you're not going to change your values and who you are. Hmm. So things that are important to you from, you know, the education perspective, from the social justice perspective, from the healthcare perspective, those things don't change. So even though it might be in the news and it might be more prominent, it doesn't mean me as an individual will all of a sudden change my values to say, now I I believe in this or believe in that. Yeah. I want to get on board on this or that. Yeah. Um, And I think that's where um, people miss the boat a little bit because social values essentially will drive your messaging your visuals Mm -hmm. and who you include in the sort of campaign. So, you know, if I use a quick example, if I have low sense of authority, um, it means I don't look at people in authoritative positions as someone I want to listen to. So if I have an ad Mm -hmm. coming from a CEO of X company, whether it's car government or other, that's not going to resonate with me and it's going to go right by me. Mm -hmm. Um, and things like that, really from a values perspective, is really where marketers don't tap into the data really well. And it doesn't matter what sector you're in. What I'm seeing, and I think a lot of my colleagues would say the same thing, is just that is one of those gems that we have that a lot of people bypass because they want to know, you know, mobile analytics, which is great. And the newest mm-hmm. thing that we're working on, which is really powerful um, and also behaviors on social media. Are you mm-hmm. on TikTok? Are you on Instagram? What's going to motivate you mm-hmm. to watch those different yeah. things? Um, but a lot of that's really derived from values. Wow. The way we see the world, what resonates to us. So why does a cat campaign on TikTok really consume you and you can be sitting there for hours? Because obviously there's a sense of, you know, uh, community and animals and all those other things. There's probably a whole bunch of stuff that you can put together in your persona, which would be different from mine. And if we talk about cat versus dog, yeah. and I lean towards dog, um, have a new puppy in the house. Love oh, him to death. That's amazing. Um, so, you know, I might be more interested in dog pictures or, you know, if there's a third person that we're sort of looking at, maybe they don't like any animals hmm. because they're all about tech. So they might be going to whatever the, you know, Twitter or Instagram because they're all obsessed about tech and that's where they're finding it. So I know a lot of these sort of programs have algorithms and all these models built into it, which is super key, really important. But that's a really big thing that marketers in general and corporations sometimes miss when they're thinking about should we be on one or the other or all Hmm. Um, because they haven't done the full work and really understood out of the persona, what is the messaging that's going to resonate? Hmm. Why are they on these platforms? So, An, an example could be like, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but if I say I run a Shakespeare festival mm-hmm. and, I, and I hire a marketing firm and the marketing firm makes the assumption, well, um, you know, people who have lots of money, affluent people, that's who we got to market to. Let's get the most expensive postal codes. People who have the most amount of money, that's who's going to buy tickets. Right. But really, the people who value the arts mm-hmm. and education are going to buy tickets. It doesn't matter how much money they have. Cause in some yeah. cases, some people may not have, you know, a high net worth, but they budget accordingly. So they may not spend as much money on eating out yeah. or their cars, but they spend a lot of money on the arts and live experiences. Yeah, exactly that. Some people have the disposable or discretionary income 
So, you know, it's easier for them to save. Some people don't. So it might take a little bit more for a subscription or they might go one time versus, you know, every time and get a full membership. Um, but that's really the beginnings of looking at who's really my target market. Yeah. Um, how many of those people exist in my sort of area? Because yeah. if you are, say, in Ontario, you don't want to be looking at people in BC because that's going to take a little bit longer or yeah. a little bit more to get them over. Um, or Newfoundland, yeah. you know, things like that. But looking at within my area, what are all the people that are there? So what's my capacity? And then saying, what do I need to do to go get them? So wow. what's the messaging that's going to resonate? Is it about the arts and the importance? Is it about the play? Is it about the timing? Whatever it may be, really digging into that and then looking at where did, you know, where do they spend their time? Do they mm. read the newspaper? Do they go on Twitter? Do they look at their grandkids on Facebook? What is it? And you have you have that data. You know kind of their, their habits on social platforms. And is this what you touched on, it? the mobile data? Is that the yep. data that you can provide? Yeah. And mobile data is sort of the newer, uh, yeah, the newer data that we're digging into a little bit more. And it's looking at, again, from a private privacy perspective, mm-hmm. um, you know, our phones have little pings that go out. Um, so what we do is we get aggregated information of people kind of moving around and then trying to figure out what postal code they're in. So you have a sense of persona, um, again, privacy friendly, it doesn't come back to one individual, but just a group and then looking at, okay, so if we have all these personas, this is how they travel. So, you know, do we use outdoor advertising for them Mm. or, you know, is there a mixture here that we should be looking at in conjunction to everything else we know about the persona? It's incredible. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So in a perfect world, every client that comes to us, agency workers, yeah. and every brand that's planning a campaign should spend, I guess, one to three months with your organization, getting the data, getting ready so that when it does, when we do launch a campaign, we're doing it with authority, with clout, and with kind of a backbone. Yeah, exactly. And we do work with a lot of agencies already. Um, so we have great partnerships and our data a lot of times is in a lot of the software and the work that they do when they you know, build their segmentations and personas. Um, But it's really also understanding the pinpoints. So, you know, we specialize in helping agencies and partners and their clients Mm -hmm. sort of better understand sort of their values and really the messaging. So there's less of the guesswork involved when you're trying to look at creative one or creative two, which is going to be the most impactful. Yeah. Language one versus the language in the second one, which is going to be the most impactful because you can test it with the data and then you can do your qualitative and all the other tests you need to do, but you can be more intentional. 
And that's, that's really my word for the year is being more intentional. Wow. That is a great word. Intentional. Intentional with um, creative, intentional with the um, language you're using around the mm-hmm. values and, and kind of even, I, I like, it almost respects the person more because I feel like we know so much data about people and we yep. can advertise to them, let's say on Facebook or Google, et cetera. Yep. But it's not done with much thought or intention because we didn't take the time to understand their values. We right. just knew their age, marital yeah. status, you know, in, you know, some interests. What they told us is what we knew. Yes. But we might have not asked them all these questions. And uh, being more intentional is being more mindful of that journey we have with our customers. Hmm. I know we all talk about journeys. Uh, when we bring them in from the brand, how do we keep them loyal? How do we yep. keep them going through that sort of that, you know, journey mapping or yep. brand um, mapping? And it's just being more intentional about that, that it's a journey that's being done by both sides, right? And do you tip your relationship with, say, like a brand or an agency and with the agency on that specific brand? Is it kind of on retainer and is it the, the lifetime of the campaign or is it usually kind of the pre work for a campaign that you work with them? It could be. It's all over the map. We okay. have some agency partners that ask us to do some work ahead of time up front. Yeah. Um, and we help them on that side. It, we have some partnerships that are more obviously from the client. So we're kind of part of that whole mapping through the journey and even towards the end of looking and analyzing how did that campaign do? What have we learned? What can mm-hmm. we tweak yeah. um, as we continue to test um, to see what's really working, what's not working, you know, different areas that we can make it better and enhance it. So um, our relationships really vary across the board, across all the categories that we're in. It's amazing. So Alan, for you personally, like you, you the coolest job, right? It's, it's Sony. You're on, you, know, you're, you kind of almost have like, um, it's almost, it's almost a wizard. Like, like you, I feel like you have these magical maps and you get in this bag, <laughs> you know, this magical bag and you pull them out and help people on yeah. their journey. Right. Or, or I don't want to like go to like, like Dora, right. With the magical map, you know, you, yeah. know, you help people figure out where to go and you know, who's there when you're about to go there. Cause the map tells you, okay, this is where you're going to go. There's gonna be a bridge and there's a troll under the bridge. Yeah. The troll likes these sort of candies because these are the values of the troll. Um, but what do you do personally? Like, where do you go for like your own inspiration when it comes to like, um, you know, books you read, podcasts you listen to, kind of e-newsletters you subscribe to? What gives you inspiration day to day in your job? So first and foremost, I obviously listen to this podcast. Canadian News Canada is on my on my on my listen to list when I walk the pub. Um, it is one of the podcasts I've I've really shifted, especially during you know the last ten months, whatever it is lot of podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. I love to go for a run. Mm-hmm. I love to bike. So when I do those kind of things, that's my opportunity to sort of learn. And also when I walk the pup. So I listen to a ton of different podcasts, yeah. different subjects, um, just to learn because you can always learn something out of a podcast that might be not relatable to what you do. But it might bring you back to say, Oh, my God, I didn't think about this idea because I didn't think about it in this particular way. And somebody kind of shed a light on that. So um, anything from you know, the Brene Browns of the world Mm -hmm. love listening to some of that perspective leadership to um, trying to think, putting me on the spot. There's just so many of them. There's so many. So of like four or five that I listen. And then, so I've started, I I just realized Peloton is a free app for at least for two months right now. Mm -hmm. And it has a bunch of running uh, sessions on it. So I've been having people not yell at me, but like direct me, <laughs> bring my runs. And then there's really good music during it. Yeah. But I feel like if I go on, say like a 30 minute run, do you preload them? Like do you use um, 
Apple Podcasts? Are you more of a Spotify guy? Or what's your what's Spotify. your go-to? I'm Spotify. Spotify guy. So, but Spotify, can you load up a series of podcasts and do you make a playlist yeah. when you run, or do you stop the run and then go to the next show that you want to listen no, to? No, I, I set them up. Um, I know when they're down, you know, when they yeah. become live. So the Mondays and Tuesdays. So I'll, yes. I'll save it to my list. Um, and then I'll just kind of listen to them and then break it up with different playlists that I have. Like anything cold play is an absolute. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a whole bunch of others that I listen to. I like old rock. Yeah. Um, so I listen to a lot of that, but I just kind of set it up and just go through it. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast more than once. Yeah. And yeah. kind of just digest. I thought I heard something about this and then I'll sit down with it for 20, 30 minutes and kind of just say, oh, that's what they meant. That makes sense. So I'll make a note about it, but mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with podcasts. That's awesome. And what about any like, like books or e-newsletters that you're saying, hey, as a marketer, this is something you should check out? Um, that's a great question. Um, I go through books really quickly. Mm -hmm. I love biographies, autobiographies. Okay. Yeah. Them. So yeah. the Barack Obama one obviously mm -hmm. is one that's now on my reading list. Yeah. Um, and one that I'm about to get started on, but, um, I kind of just go through different autobiographies. I love yeah. to learn about people's lives and their history, yeah. mm -hmm. but also some of their thinking of what made them successful and their perspectives. I think podcasts and books, give you a different sort of opportunity to learn about people's perspectives and ideas. Yeah. So I'm obsessed yeah. with that. It's true. I love, uh, I'm a huge Malcolm Gladwell fan. And so it's revisionist yeah. history is a favorite. And then um, Terry O'Reilly's uh, under the influence, just kind of giving the history of marketing. I find really fascinating. He's got a new season out now, which is great. So, yeah. So Alan, speaking of getting to know you, um, sure. you were the first to go through this. We're going to go uh, marketing news, Canada, rapid fire questions. Do you feel ready? Uh, I feel absolutely ready. Amazing. Amazing. We want to get to know you, a bit about yourself, um, you know, the person behind uh, the brand. And as someone goes to reach out to your brand, gets to know, uh, you know, a bit about you personally as it, yeah. uh, you know, they don't feel as intimidated maybe by this large data incorporation that, uh, you know, they might be thinking this is a massive robot machine. <laughs> but no, Alan is a really great guy behind the... Uh, Down to earth and not so intimidating, not the big data geek. Yeah. Uh, what was your first job? Uh, first job, I sold subscriptions, newspaper subscriptions for the Toronto Star. That's amazing. Night owl or early bird? Depending on how you look at it, I get up like at four in the morning and I go for a run. So I don't know. Some people think of that as night. Some people think of that as morning. So depending on your view, but um, I think I'm a morning guy. Um, but yeah, somewhere in between, I guess. It's awesome. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Absolutely. Dark, dogs. Okay. Amazing. Dark or milk chocolate? Dark chocolate. Love dark chocolate. My wife would kill me for saying that, but I love dark chocolate. Although I didn't even mention white chocolate. I don't know, but some people would say that's not actually chocolate. That's, uh, candy. that's a whole other topping, whole other sort of episode, but yes. <laughs> uh, red or white wine? Red. Red. Okay. Canucks or the Leafs? Is that even a question? Leafs, absolute leaves. Die hard since since birth. It's amazing, amazing. Uh, dessert of choice. I love ice cream. Okay, that's amazing. Any kind, specific, or just ice cream in general? You'll take it. I love chocolate. I am yeah. lactose, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Yep. Um, but love, love, love chocolate ice cream. That is my like default to anything. Amazing. Uh, number one thing that's on your bucket list. Um, you know what? I would say doing a safari. I've okay. always been fascinated with just 
being in a tent and then going out to a safari out in like Africa and, and kind of doing that for a couple of months. I think it would be so cool to watch different habitat, whether it's like a lion or an elephant or mm-hmm. a giraffe, whatever it would be. It's always been number one on my bucket list. So um, still is actually. Nice. Uh, favorite word or word of the year for you? I think I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, yeah. intentional, mm-hmm. um, really being intentional. That's um, I don't do um, all this other stuff that people do at the beginning of the year, trying to come up with mm-hmm. um, different goals and stuff. I just kind of pick out words and try to see how does that help um, what I do mm-hmm. uh, at work and as a dad and everything else. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I came up with this year was being more intentional. It's awesome. It's very cool. Uh, last charity you supported and why? Um, Canadian Mental Health Association. Amazing. Um, the team last year, when we sat down to look at what we'd, we'd do in terms of supporting different charities, um, brought forward different causes. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that came up was the Canadian Mental Health Association. Mm-hmm. And I dug in a little bit more and um, me and my wife then made a separate donation on top of the team donation. We just think right now with everything that's going on, yeah. mental health is really important. And it is being overlooked a little bit. So mm-hmm. we wanted to do our part and sort of uh, support the cause. That's awesome. Uh, favorite movie for a cozy night in? Ooh, I love movies. Um, you know what? Anything Mel Brooks okay. would be absolutely at the top of the list. Um, but um, yeah, anything Mel Brooks. That's awesome. Favorite song on repeat right now? Um, it changes. Obviously, yep. I run every day and all that. But I, my default's always going to Coldplay. Anything okay. Coldplay? Uh, absolutely, 100%. Uh, if you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing? Um, if I wasn't doing this job or being in the not-for-profit, I've always dreamed about opening my own little lemonade stand on the beach. Amazing. I think that'd be so cool, so much fun. Um, I'm a people person, love to meet people, love to talk to people, and I think that would be a great way to kind of, in a cozy sort of chill setting, just talk to people and get to know people. Yeah, And it'd be like adult high-quality lemonade or more like just casual, well-priced lemonade? Probably well-priced lemonade. You want okay. it to be affordable, right? Affordable, yeah, for the people. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it. <laughs> and lastly, uh, your favorite comfort food? Um, cereal. Cereal. I know I mean, it's an oddball answer, no. but um, I love cereal. I could do cereal any time of the day. I love actually cereal before I go to sleep. But uh, in our household, we have like between nine to ten different types of cereal. Um, kids like different cereals. I like different cereals. Sometimes we all just mix cereals together. Yeah. Um, but you know, like right now we're on lucky charms, me and my youngest son are obsessed with lucky charms. Um, and I love it. The sugar is so good. It's amazing. So Alan, if people want to find you, reach out to you, um, keep connecting with you, what's the best way? Um, they can find me on Twitter or, or LinkedIn. Um, pretty active on both. So they can definitely reach out and look me up. Um, or they can email me at alan.davidoff at enveronicsanalytics.com. Um, and kind of reach out and just say hi. If you have any questions, my team and I always happy to set up a conversation and talk. There is no, you know, charge to talking and we're always happy to hear what problems you guys have and how we potentially can help them. And if we can find it and track it down, it, maybe there's a PDF of that poster that I once had up on the wall in our office years ago. Um, that would be fun. And we can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, if people reach out, possibly there's some swag involved that you might be able to mail to their home or totally. said office. Totally. 
Um, if people even are interested, and we talked about this earlier, just go on our website and we're on yeah. analytics.ca um, or .com um, and kind of just look up Prism. And there's a lookup, a free lookup. You can type in a postal code and just find out more about that postal code, the income, education, uh, stage of life, um, mm-hmm. just to give you a sense of who that is. And then, you know, we talked about values and all of those things and behaviors. It gives you sort of a high level understanding of all those things and starts to give you an idea of how powerful data could be and how your organization could be using it. So I think that's the best swag that anybody could ever get. It's just kind of looking at that. And if anything, I personally think that it's great for office games, game night, just type in postal codes, guests, drinking games galore. So that is a great idea. That's very fun. I'm, I'm so excited to do that when I, after this and to uh, see what they say about my neighbors and I. So thank you. Welcome. Thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Marketing News Canada, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio. Thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.